You're listening to Consolidate That. Welcome back to Consolidate That. I'm really excited, Ivan, to have our guest here today. Why don't you go ahead and introduce RJ to everyone? Hi, I'm excited to have RJ today. So we're going to be talking about m and value stream mapping after we talked to Emmett last time. He mentioned a lot about the Lean and the Kanban and how he's looking at the hospital operations, and he suggested to invite RJ. So RJ Peters is a finance leader with 25 years of experience across multiple industries, veterinary, financial services, childcare, and I assume financial services, that's the pawn shops, isn't it? That is the pawn shops, yes. Okay. He has led M&A projects and built the FP&A teams at Cash America, Easy Corp, and Lakefield Veterinary hospitals. RJ has also led operations team as the senior vice president of operations at Childcare Network with 265 locations and regional director at Cash America, 100 locations. His focus is on building high performance teams with strong cultures by putting people first. RJ, thank you for finding the time. Thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I did not know that, RJ, about Cash America and your background there. Yeah, I was there for 10 years. Whenever I needed a new computer monitor, that's my go-to spot. So quick tip for everyone out there listening. If you need a second computer monitor, go to a pawn shop. They are almost free. You can get great deals at a pawn shop. You can. I have a record player. I, every, I'm, I'm a pawn shop fanatic, so there you go. There you go. So you can thank RJ for all of that. So it's interesting. Can you tell us a little bit about that? What did you learn from pawn shop consolidation? Like, what is that compared to other industries? I never heard about pawn shops being consolidated, but it's a business, so I assume they could be consolidated. What did you learn? What was the key learning from that experience? You know, what's interesting is I think that, believe it or not, the pawn shop business and the veterinary business and the childcare business, which are the three businesses that I've been a part of consolidations, are very similar in that at its core, it is typically a independent business person who has built a business from the ground up, whether it is an, well, one single unit, one vet clinic, one preschool, one pawn shop, or even if they've built it up to a handful. Obviously, the businesses themselves are very different, whether you're uh, making pawn loans and selling used merchandise or taking care of three-year-olds or taking care of dogs and cats. But at its core, how you value those businesses, how you work with the customers is, is remarkably similar, believe it or not. Just don't get confused when you walk into the pawn shop with your dog or into the veterinarian with your record player. Those two things don't, they get a little different there. But You do have to ensure what business you're walking into. But Yeah, I you cannot pawn a child. That, you cannot pawn one of the children. Not in America. <laughs> I remember someone who was one of the stand-up comedians, he was talking about the pawn shop and he saw the wheelchair in the pawn shop and he was talking about how did that happen? <laughs> someone came in in the wheelchair and left without it. Anyway, that's probably a dark joke. But so RJ, you, you've done so much stuff in the industry. You also hold a Harvard degree in business. Collectively as the, the company, we have a Harvard degree. And just like we have 39 marathons after and joined us. So we'll take ownership of that and credit for it. But then last company, you were doing really well there and, and you were a leader there and you joined us at Galaxy. So what was the reason and what did you see in Galaxy that motivated you to move on? Yeah, there's a there's a couple of things. As you read in the last sentence of my little blurb bio there, my focus, no matter what type of role I've been in, has been on culture and building teams and putting people first. You know, I've been a, a 
executive on the finance side. I've been an executive on the operations side. My, at Childcare Network, I was running operations, all of the operations for that company. But what, particularly as I've gotten deeper into my career and as I've gotten just older in life, more and more of my meaning in my life comes from relationships and, and helping people grow and, and, and helping people become better in whatever form that is for them. And for me, the workplace is a, in most cases, it's a desert of focus on that. So few leaders and companies truly actually care about people first. There are some out there, but it is, it is rare. And when I met you and Emmett, and I started to hear about the vision and the mission of what Galaxy Vets was all about, it just, it rang a bell deep in my soul of, of your guys' focus on people, whether it's the structure of the company from the beginning being completely employee-owned, your personal story of, of burnout experience and how that is something that has translated to what you want to do in the veterinary industry really resonated with me because I, I think emotional health and, and mental well-being is ignored in all industries, but certainly in, in the vet industry more than others. And then the chance to be at the ground floor of something. I've been in some big companies and had some big roles, but I've never had the opportunity to help shape something from the ground up. And that was super appealing to do that with a group of people that, what did we talk for the first time three, four months ago? I felt like there was going to be alignment. And so far, I can happily say that without question, there is alignment. And that's what carries me forward. Well, thank you. That That's amazing. And I want to kind of pull on that thread a little bit more on your experience now as you join Galaxy on the entrepreneurial part, because I know that we had a conversation when you said that a little bit it felt not chaotic. Well, maybe chaotic because startups are. This is where I like this is where I feel so comfortable and, and when everything is organized, I feel anxious that I'm not doing something. So when things like, you know, when shit is not arranged, like this is where I strive, that's my environment. And then, and then also on top of that, we threw a completely new concepts at you. Things like Kanban, things like this operational process internally, where initially, I remember your feedback on the first or second one-on-one -on -one when you said, I don't understand why we're learning this stuff and why we're doing this. So, so how was that experience and how did that transition and where you at today or did it? You're still like what are we doing here <laughs> no no yeah I've, I've and hopefully you, know, you and others can see a little bit of a transition and my deer in the headlights feel you know maybe 60 90 days ago well i guess i haven't been here 90 days but 60 days ago versus uh versus today it was intentional for for me it was absolutely a i don't want to say a leap of faith to join galaxy vets because that implies that uh, there what i didn't see something on the other end of that leap but there was definitely a step of faith, at least. But it was an intentional step of faith where I knew I was going to be pushed out of my comfort zone. It was not some sort of like, oh, I had no idea I was joining a startup and things would not be settled. I certainly knew that. And I hoped to learn and grow from that. And part of learning and growing is being uncomfortable. And I would say 60 days ago, 45 days ago, I mean, it was probably visible. Like I was pretty uncomfortable, not in a, I don't want to be here sense, but in a, okay, there's a lot of stuff to get done and okay, let's figure it out. And what's been exciting for me on a personal level is just getting comfortable with that feeling. Like I'll probably never get to that level where 
you thrive in it because number one, you've done it a lot longer, but I think also your DNA is just that way. Like it feels like that's, that's where you thrive. I doubt I will ever be at that level, but even I think in the last 60 days, I'm like, you know what, let's take care of what's in front of us now. And then we had the conversation about that Steve Jobs famous speech about the connecting the dots. You can't, you have to trust that you're connecting the dots going forward because you can't see them. But when you look back, you see all the dots that got you to where you are and just having faith that, all right, let's connect the next dot. And then the dot after that's going to appear and let's go, let's go connect that. So yeah, it's been a, and I fully expect 10 months from now when I'm celebrating my first anniversary at Galaxy, I'll look back and go, oh man, I've evolved so much. Like I've grown and learned so much. And, And to me that. To circle back to the original point about why did I join Galaxy, like I'm someone who always has to be learning. Like when I get bored, I, I just get unhappy. And that's what my wife tells me all the time. It's like when you get bored, you get cranky and you want to look for another job. And and she told me even, I think it was just a couple of nights ago, she's like, you are not going to be bored at this job for a very, very, very long time. And I'm <laughs> super excited for you. And I'm like, oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. In my experience, if you're finance team and the VP of finance and CFO and those people start getting too comfortable in the chaos, that's that's usually a bad sign. So if we keep you uncomfortable, it means that we're pushing the boundaries of everything because you should be going, well, I got to figure out how all of this math works and how the numbers look and all of that. But that's to, to Ivan's point, I think that's where the Kanban methodology can fit really well into that. Because if we look at some structure and organization around the chaos and knowing that things are pushing into the right way. So to bring it to the M&A value stream a bit, we look at each different whip limit and each different column and each different category and how things need to move through there. So when we see you know, some chaos of how many leads are being pushed through at the beginning and, oh my gosh, they're coming from all these different sources and there's employees filtered in with practice owners, filtered in with people that want to sell us things and how those can go through and be worked through the process. Have you found maybe some comfort or additional insurity or around what that process can bring just by looking at it from your historical view of probably a much more traditional sales process or an M&A process and using the Kanban method to, to sort of organize something as it grows faster? Yeah. And where I would say I am on that evolution is I'm not all the way there because I don't think all of the pieces have clicked. And and to some degree, we haven't fully built out the entire process, but I can see that path and I can see that destination that, all right, we're building something that when we get there, even when it is chaotic, we will have a structure on how we work deals through the process. Because I mean, we have very aggressive goals for what we're going to do with Galaxy Bets. And so M&A is going to have things at every stage at all times and multiple of them at all times. So I went through the Kanban training after I missed the first wave with the executive team, but I went through it with most of the operations team. And while at first I was, there was definitely a part of me that said four, four hour sessions to go over whatever this Kanban thing is. But by the end of it, and particularly the Kanban game, which, I mean, that's just a genius way to to drive the concepts home, seeing the power of the throughput you can get when you design 
your whip limits and your processes and your stages the right way. And, and even the sort of simulations of what happens if you you know, have a disruption in some way, whether it's a blocker or a new executive who says no, you know, no whip limit, and then you create a no whip limit equals a gigantic backlog. Like just that helped it feel real. And then now I think part of what we're going to be doing going forward and, and you and Ryan, Ryan, you and I will be, you know, a big part of, of building that out is building, building that structure. So I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. There's still some room for me to go down the tunnel, but it's exciting to think about what we'll have built. You were fortunate to not have me in your learning session on the game because <laughs> one of my great decisions I made on our executive team was just get rid of the staging piece. Let's just start pushing them in. I mean, we got the capacity. Let's go. And about a, a simulated quarter later, everyone was yelling at me, why did you do this to us, Ryan? What happened? This was a horrible idea. So I learned very quickly through my mistake there. But yeah, it's it's a cool way to learn. Let me pull the listeners a little bit back into what we we're talking about here. So in, in early stages, when we were in VIS, we we saw that there is this, there's a systematic sort of areas of the M&A that could be locked into a methodology which we adopted, and it's a Kanban. And Kanban is essentially, if listeners are trying to figure out where they heard that that name, you you probably can see it in Trello. That's sort of your boards with the you know sticky notes traveling across. Asana, other applications have it. But there's entire business methodology how to manage any process. And that's what we saw originally. And we talked about the Kanban in consolidation. It's essentially mapping out the value stream of putting clinics through the system where it starts with a trigger where we're finding someone who's interested to join us and then it goes sequentially through the M&A process so well it's through business marketing then business development process then LOI signature due diligence and etc and then the reason why we saw this potentially be applicable to M&A world is that what you want is predictability of your pipeline because what most things that we've seen with the consolidators is it's kind of a chaos. You have a bunch of BD people running around and kind of throwing deals in, and then they're, you know, they're all motivated by the percentage or commission based on the EBITDA they're bringing in. So they want to bring as much as they want or as they can, and any sort of business with a pulse will do as long as they can push it into the acquisition. And then the suffering from that is on the end of that, on the back end, which is the downstream effect on the operations, which we saw many, many times in other consolidators where operations can't consume that many practices. So the predictability of the flow through the system is, is paramount importance. And that's why we applied Kanban. And it's interesting, uh, RJ, how you referred to like now it's starting to make sense. I was very fortunate to be guided and have as a mentor, John Ayers, who was the CEO of IDEX for straight 18 years, I think. And he was, when I sold to, to IDEX, he was, uh, we had these sessions one-on-one -on -one, once a month. And he was very generous with his time and he advised me on a lot of stuff. And there was one book in particular that he suggested, which I really love. It's The Design of Business by Roger Martin. And he's talking about how, what's the difference between the startup and the corporation? And the startup is the, is the state of chaos from which there's heuristics that arise. And then once you develop those heuristics, they become more defined algorithms in a more mature business. And I think that's the stage where we kind of came up with this heuristic that maybe Kanban will work. 
we practiced it many times on on other consolidators and now it evolved into i think an algorithm what we're building here so it will evolve it will get to that point but just for sort of because you're on leadership team you're an executive team and getting your buy-in into this was extremely important to me because you're coming in with a wealth of experience and then i'm sure that you're looking at this vet with no harvard degree and you're thinking who, who what can he teach me <laughs> and just the, just to note ivan you are the one who's most fascinated by my harvard degree <laughs> <laughs> i remember the first time i met rj he said, hi, I'm RJ. Did you know that I went to Harvard? And I said, wow. That is 100% untrue. And then I have never it's the brought only, it up. There's two things in the background of his Zoom. It's <laughs> him, a picture of a cat, and his Harvard degree. So, you know, I'm just going to point that out, you know. But back to the topic. So, and then, so then what was that experience during the Kanban training when did it click that actually directly is applicable to what we're doing here? How did you, because I'm trying to understand, like, do, because we put every single person in the company through this training, which is completely out of this world. It's not related to veterinary. It's very remotely related to business in the slice of Kanban, because that's historically have been either a sort of manufacture process or software development process. So when and how did you start seeing how things kind of the puzzles were clicking together between the Kanban training and how we're seeing the value stream within the M&A? Do you mean like when did it start clicking during the, the training or? In general, in the journey here where it was like when, when you had that sort of conversion from, oh, this is not random stuff, it's actually related. Like what was that sort of awakening? Yeah. You know, for me, it, I think it really was during the training and particularly, as I mentioned, when we started to get into the game, because the game was really well designed in that, obviously, it's it, it was a game, but the, it was designed with the things that were moving through the Kanban board were clinics going through stages of integration, which is not exactly the M&A process, but it was very easily translatable mentally you know, the upstream process compared to what we were doing in the game. For me, one of the challenges of my 25-year career across a, a variety of different companies, and I think it is endemic to most companies, is just throwing so many quote-unquote priorities for any team, whether it is a manufacturing company or an accounting team or an ops team, just throwing 15 priorities at people and then none of it gets done. And so as we started to talk in the training about the simple concept of stop starting and start finishing, like that still is what resonates the most for me is so many, almost every organization I've ever been a part of loves to start things, loves to kick things off. And then they, Sometimes uh, one simple example at a, a company I was at, I won't name names, uh, a couple years ago, when I was supporting operations, we had our annual, typical annual, big, bring all of the people in. It's the big conference. All the people in the company, you know, have rah-rah and then do training. And we did a big training and rollout of the four disciplines of execution, which is a book and a whole program and a really good book and really good program that I think actually overlaps a lot with the things that we're doing. At its core, it's focus on two or three things, get those done, and then move on. We literally, we went through all this 
within one month, it had was never mentioned again. And we just completely abandoned it. And we just kept loading more priorities and more priorities on. So for me, as we went through that training, and then as I think through that feeling of chaos that we're in right now, yeah, it just clicked that the key is is to, is to get things done because that is just so rare in a business environment. The way I look at it, it's I like the chaos because when you have the discipline to fix the chaos until the end and you define that end, then it's not a chaos anymore. And that's sort of where this sort of house of cards that you're, you know, very shaky standing out, but eventually it becomes a crystallized structure. That is what I get excited about when you're like having these multiple things and they're all, you know, raising your, your adrenaline level and then you're, you know, excited or have anxiety around, which is the same sort of symptom, actually. You have your heart rate up, your respiration is up. So if you think about it as exciting things, which is one of those, I think it's from positive psychology, one of these exercises when you convert your anxious state into excitement. That's that's sort of how I like to deal with it and also be very pragmatic about, well, that's the next thing we'll fix and then we'll fix the next thing, but not, you know, everything is failing. Okay, we pivot and move, move on. So I think it's that sort of discipline of, of organizing chaos. RJ, it's really interesting to hear you saying that you've been a part of places where things don't stick because, I mean, we've all done that a thousand times probably in, in different organizations. I think the only person that may read more books than Ivan or consume more books in whatever fashion is probably you on the team here. And that's interesting because it is one of those things that I'm very used to someone on the executive team or a couple people on the executive team being just those constant sponges of always reading something new, always taking something new and then saying, this is the solution. This is the idea. And it is neat to hear that with what we're doing, I think we always continue to come back to that Kanban as a really unique and solid approach to keeping things moving forward for people. So I really like that a lot. Yeah, and, and this just triggered a thought for me, just to, maybe it's a tangent, but I also think it's important that we be sponges, particularly in the leadership team for new ideas and, and always absorbing things. But to get back to the stop starting, start finishing concept, it's also important to to sort of not overload yourself and the teams with too many ideas at the same time. Because I've because I've found myself where I've had to moderate like, ooh, I read this other thing. You guys need to read that as well. Ooh, I watched this TED talk and why don't you guys read that? Because I've always used the metaphor of the of the overflowing cup. Like there is a time when continuing to pour in that cup, you're not doing any any more good. There comes a time when you gotta let people drink what's in the cup. And sometimes that'll be a week, sometimes that'll be a year. And I think for those of us that are like voracious, just love ideas and love absorbing things that we recognize that not everybody is always prepared to absorb at the speed and pace we are and, and meeting people where they're, they're at in that. So. Well, having people like Emmett on the team, that, that's sort of the whole situation. Again, referring back to Kanban, it's the upstream and downstream. So upstream, many ideas is good, but recognizing that not all the downstream loves that. So you really need to understand that upstream ideas can flow, but until you finish things that you started downstream, you can't push any more ideas. And it takes a discipline 
Certainly in SmartFlow, that was a big part that I kept doing, you know, designing a bunch of things, pushing it on developers halfway done. Oh, let's do this cool thing. So I think that as I, as I kind of mature, I think there's, there's less of that. But speaking of the books, we, we're actually out of time. We promise not more than sort of 20, 25 minutes. So is there a book that you would recommend listeners to participate in the wisdom that you have from all the books and the Harvard degree that you carry? <laughs> you know, the one the that Harvard jumped to mind... the one that jumped to mind when you talked about transforming anxiety into excitement is the book called the happiness advantage by sean acor i don't know how you pronounce his last name a-c-h-o-r and i have to give kudos to lakefield veterinary because that is where i was introduced to that book and i have now read it i think four times which is rare i don't typically reread books the subtitle of it, I brought it up, is How a Positive Brain Fuels Success in, in Work and Life. And it's the, I'll just give like the two-sentence summary of the thesis of the book is that the typical order of operations that society talks about is success leads to happiness. And the reality in scientific community is that happiness leads to success and so much, like basically that you can choose happiness, that you can choose and, and that's what made me think of it as you're talking about the symptoms of anxiety and the symptoms of excitement are the same thing. It's a framing in your mind's difference. So that book just really hit me what four or five years ago when I read it. And basically every year I've read it again and I've read it with teams that I've led. And yeah, if you haven't read it, I highly recommend it. We're going to start this new habit of thinking of, so based on the conversation we had today, who do you think from the Galaxy team would be interesting to invite to the next episode to discuss things that might follow what we discussed today, or it could be just random? Oh, boy. That's a great question. Dr. Sarah would be, I think, really interesting to hear some of her story and and what drew her to Galaxy and where her head is, because she's a real positive energy that I really enjoy being around. Excellent. Okay. Well, we'll invite her and RJ. Thank you. Thank you very much for your time. And it was a great episode. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, RJ. Thank you so much for listening to Consolidate That. If you want to hear our new episodes, please find us on any podcast platform. Also, you can learn more about us on our website at vetintegrations.com. 